Hello, everybody, and welcome to a playoff victory green hour here as your Philadelphia Eagles defeated the New York stinking Giants 38 to 7 to advance to the NFC Championship game for the seventh time this century, I guess, since the, since the year 2000, the most in the NFC. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, we have at least one more game to discuss, which we'll do later this week, but what a what an awesome win and, and, and kind of showed that, look, while New York was able to beat the fraud Vikings, the Giants are frauds as well still. They're not they're not ready. They're not at that that talent gap between the Eagles and and the Giants is still very large. And I know like leading into this week, there was a ton of hype and discussion about like, is Daniel Jones gonna get the contract? Is he the guy? He played the 31st ranked defense and then he went off and played like a top five defense, number one against the pass defense, and he was exposed. That team was exposed. Now, are we gonna sit here and say that a trio of Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, and Kenny Galladay is the answer. 100% I'm not saying that, but I'm also not saying that he is that much better if he gets the proper weaponry in place. I think there was a little too much going on Daniel Jones just because he beat up on a really bad defense that we we called fraudulent too. A fraudulent team beat a fraudulent team. That fraudulent team then went on to face a real team and got crushed and while we didn't predict it that way it's because when we predicted that way it was probably going to be way closer so yeah um and look i know we're we're we're, we're not giants hands here but i hope the giants give daniel jones a five-year 300 million give him whatever because if they if, if they resign him to a big contract they're going to be stuck in mediocrity he is awful he is not and don't get me wrong i'm not giants fan obviously i'm a brian dayball fan though like nothing but love for that guy and what he was able to work with and what he was able to do. And I think this should be a sign that Eric Bieniemy, if he is not hired this offseason, it is absolutely crazy because I think Brian Dayball and Eric Bieniemy were on very similar levels. I actually think Bieniemy does, he does a Patrick Mahomes, but he does less or he does more with less. But. Andy and well, Andy Reid calls the plays in, in Kansas City. Let's let's be real. It, it just like here, like so here. While Steichen might call the plays, it's Nick Sirianni's offense. In Kansas City, it's Andy Reid's offense, and he has the final say over everything. But Bianami is the one that is in the the ear ear of Patrick Mahomes. But before we continue and get and and kind of get a quick review of the divisional round of the playoffs, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten. Follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell Fifty Four. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines, and follow Edge of Philly Sports on. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And as always, if you're listening to us live right now, please um, you know throw some comments into the to the chat. Let us know your thoughts on the game. Who 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 was the player of the game? And um, and while we're not going to touch base on it today, that'll be later this week. If you want to kind of let us know your thoughts on the NFC Championship game against San Francisco, we're all for it. Uh, but yes, uh, hopefully we we can get some chat, get some dialogue and in the uh, chat because we usually have good, uh, a good back and forth. You know who we haven't heard from in a while? Our favorite Dallas Cowboys fan no, disappeared a long time ago. He, he has, and I don't think we'll hear from them, you know, after they, after they, after Dakota Prescott, you know, did what Dakota Prescott does. All right, so let's do a quick review of the divisional rounds, and we'll start with Saturday. We won't – well, we'll do the Eagles game last, but 
The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-20. And the big, big news coming out of that game is Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain, which happened early in the game, first quarter, I believe, um, first or second quarter. And he had to come out, um, you know, didn't play the remainder of the first half and then started the second half and was able to finish. You have to give Andy Reid credit because when Chad Hetty came into the game, he didn't I don't want to say bottle up, but he didn't like let's go to the running game. He came out slinging it with Chad Henney. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit. What were your thoughts on that uh, Kansas City Jacksonville game as Kansas City heads to the AFC championship game for the fifth consecutive year? Way closer game than I thought, but I mean you're playing like a what a 50% Mahomes, a 60% of a Mahomes, but even a 60% of Mahomes was able to keep that game to what it was. But I mean, it was a great game. It was a really good game. Isaiah Pacheco was incredible he went 12 for 95 made a few nice catches travis kelsey is an absolute monster 17 targets 14 receptions for 98 yards and two tds man for everyone who call who wants to say that cliff is coming it's i don't know i just don't see it i can't see it i don't see it but he's incredible such a crucial part of that offense and i mean haven't Heaven, what is it going to be seven, eight days off for Patrick Mahomes is going to be huge because we know high ankle sprains affect everybody differently, but it'll affect a quarterback as long as they're not mobile. It'll affect a quarterback a little bit less. I think that'll be okay for Patrick Mahomes. But I mean, that was huge. If he had missed the rest of the game, I don't think the Chiefs pull it out. I think they knew they needed him. They knew they had to have him in there. And I mean, Jacksonville is not far off. I know that some people say they're they're another good offseason away. There's some people who are a little more skeptical about it. I think they're another good offseason away, but they got a lot less money to play with this year than they've had in prior years because they, in typical Doug Peterson fashion, went on the spending spree when they had the money there, which was last season. They went on that spending spree. Um, it was a great game, though. Good game. The Chiefs are incredible. The Jags are coming. Yeah, I'm I'm, intri- I'm definitely intri- intrigued in what what's up what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. We haven't heard much. I mean, obviously he's on Twitter saying he's got he's ready, he's going to go, but it's a high ankle sprain and anything can happen. Like he's going to play. If it's up to him, he'll play. But you got to sometimes you have to take it out of the player player's hand. Um, and we'll see about the Jacksonville Jaguars. People thought that back in 2017 when they went to the AFC Championship game, and they haven't been back since they haven't been back to the playoffs. I think or since this year. So. We'll see, but they definitely are in good hands with Doug Peterson, and, and I think Trevor Lawrence has a chance to really take a big step next year in his second year under Peterson. Let's move to Sunday. Um, the other AFC matchup, the Cincinnati Bengals dominated the Buffalo Bills 27-10 to 10, um, and knocking out, and I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the year I had the Bills in the in the Super Bowl, and you, I don't think you did. I think I, I had the Chiefs and the Chiefs. Packers. I, but... yeah, I had the Bills-Packers, Um, so – the, the Bills at home shockingly just – Josh Allen really took a dive the second half of the year. And I don't know if not having Dable there to, to really challenge him. If you remember back in 2017, Filippo was all over Carson Wentz. When Filippo left, Carson I – and, and, and a lot of that just – maybe it was a psyche thing, his, his knee injury. Carson wasn't the same player. Maybe the, And I'm not saying that Josh Allen's going to take that dive but without Dable. But, you, I mean, he definitely wasn't the same quarterback this year as he was last year. So that'll be interesting to see. But the Cincinnati Bengals deserve a lot of credit. Um, going back to the AFC Championship game for the, the second consecutive year, and they have a real shot of beating the Chiefs um, next week. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The, the, so one of the big things that I had against the Bengals was I didn't think that they had the defense to make the stops if they needed to make the stops. I get people don't love the weather games. Maybe that plays into the favor of certain teams. It should have played into the favor of Buffalo, but it didn't. Well, Cincinnati it also in, plays in bad weather. I mean, Cincinnati does. Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, I didn't think they had the defense to make the stops and they had the defense definitely to make the stops and they have the offense that if you get even one or two stops, that's all it's going to take. I just trusted the Bills defense more than the Bengals and clearly I was wrong in that point. Um, I think this is also, I do think they miss Dayball. I do think like you look at where the, I get it, we call the Giants frauds, but you look at where he brought a team of almost pretty much nobodies to where they are now. And then you look at where the Buffalo Bills were and then what kind of happened to them. Um, it's tough to say if it's that, but I also think it's a scream and help for Josh Allen to get some more weaponry too. We said the same thing about Jalen Hurts. We had Devontae Smith, but we needed a little more. We got A.J. Brown to get over the hill. They have Stephon Diggs. They probably need another piece or two here or there to get them over the hump as well. Um, it's going to be difficult. The difference between... Wentz and Allen is Allen had this ascension improving on things that you generally don't see a quarterback able to improve on, like accuracy and those types of things. You sit there and you're like, oh, you don't see that growth. What? yeah we can talk in the off season but um but with with Wentz you saw that like one miraculous season a huge season and that was it there was no consistency we've started to see a little more consistency with Josh Allen and he improved on areas where you generally don't see a quarterback improve as hugely as he did so it'll be interesting to see what happens in Buffalo in this off season I think Josh Allen needs some help I do think the Bengals while they do have to give a boatload of money to Joe Burrow, just like the Eagles with jo uh, Jalen Hurts, they are in good hands if they can make the money work and if they can make the, the financial situation work, they're in good hands. And I was also very impressed. I was also very impressed with the Cincinnati offensive line and not having what two or three starters um, and, and able to not allow Burrow to get killed out there by and and Buffalo definitely misses Von Miller. And then the Sunday night, the Sunday night matchup, the San Francisco 49ers defeating the Dallas Cowboys 19-12 as Dak Prescott throws two interceptions. Uh, the offense, the Dallas' defense played well, and uh, granted, um, Michael Parsons didn't do much of. I mean, he had a, he had a couple of rushes here and there, but obviously he's getting a little he's getting a little overrated by people when he had. I think he averaged less than a half a sack the last half of the year, uh, but you know, Hassan Reddick. Has better numbers than him, and can he, and, and nobody wants to talk about him. Um, but that, and then the last play of the game for Dallas, <laughs> that was hilarious. Zeke Elliott playing center and then getting destroyed. That was funny. But the the San, San Francisco 49ers coming to Philly um, this week. That defense is still very good. Brock Purdy did just enough to to be able to to, to win the game. Um, the defense forced a couple of turnovers and 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 gave short field. To, to Purdy and the Niners uh, got the the win, and I'm happy they did. I, I I like being able to say Dallas hasn't made a conference championship game in like 26 years or whatever it is, 27 years. But what were your thoughts on that game? 
Brock Purdy, like you said, he did enough. It was definitely his worst game since taking over as a starter. What, this was his seventh game? I think it was easily his worst game as a starter. Um, And it was probably one of the better defenses that he's had to play. So that could bode very well for Philadelphia. If we're able to get the pressure, if we're able to keep the weapons at bay, we do have to remember, while it was a little bit more quiet, there is George Kittle, there is Elijah Mitchell, there is Debo Samuel, there is Brandon Ayuk, there is Christian McCaffrey. There's a lot of weaponry there if Brock Purdy's able to turn it around. Um, but that just was a sign that the Cowboys have they have a good defense. We won't deny it. The San Francisco 49ers have an incredible defense. I'm not denying that. That was one of the things that you said way earlier in the season and one of the or not way earlier, but at the beginning as the playoffs started to close in. One of the things that you said and that I completely agreed with was the 49ers defense is likely going to be the difference at the end of the day. So hopefully the Eagles offense can continue to find a way to make things work against his defense. And the Eagles offensive line is better than the Cowboys offensive line. So hopefully we can continue to see some like this past week. If we can get that run game going like we did again, and I know we're going to dive into it. If we can get that run game going and we can get that offensive line absolutely dominate in the game, there's a re- we we can beat the 49ers, but it takes probably a very similar game plan with some different things thrown in there. Dak Prescott, the interceptions, he's boomer bust. You're either gonna you're gonna go like I think Shane said in the group chat, you're either gonna go nuclear or you're gonna blow up with this guy. And it, there is no and I get it like the co I it was the the uh, the announcer said you know. Mike McCarthy doesn't isn't bothered by that. He likes to let Dak Prescott do his game because you know if you he might get he, things will come together eventually. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. When you make the decisions like that, when you create the turnovers like that, you can't come back from the, that many turnovers. Brock Purdy he went for 214 yards. He was 19 for 29. The stat line's ugly. No touchdowns, but he also had no interceptions. So the stat line is ugly, but as long as you can protect the ball, sometimes having that guy who can protect the ball is a major bonus. And at this point, Dak Prescott absolutely cannot protect the football. Another major thing, that offense, night and day without Tony Pollard. Just saying. That was, night that and day. That, that injury was massive. And now you have to go and you have to pay Zeke Elliott the amount of money you have to pay him. He says he's willing to take a pay cut. Every player says that. And then you got Tony Pollard, who's due for money. And you're going to probably, they're thinking about franchise tagging this guy. And that's, what's the franchise tag going to be this year on a on a running back? Like 12, to, 10 to $12 million? I don't know how they're going like, to do that. They're already over the cap going into next year. They won't be able to franchise tag. It's um, dicey. It's very dicey. But you saw how different that offense. Night and day without Tony Pollard there and his ability to be a running back and a receiver. He can work anywhere on the field. He's great. I would love to see him in Philadelphia, obviously. But that is a that uh, is a dream because we already have our own disaster yeah, to, to injury, clean up. Coming off that injury. And I don't like really like taking Dallas players coming – Coming to uh to the Eagles, but we'll see. Um, I'm and I can't wait to talk about it later this week. But I am very, very much looking forward to the Eagles' offensive line against that San Francisco defensive line and and whatnot. All the weapons the Eagles have offensively and that defense: Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, um, uh, War like Ward. They have 
a lot of weapons on, on the or a lot of it can it can really go a couple of different ways that's the thing like both offenses have so many weapons that can go off but they both have top three defenses in the entire league so it could go one to two ways you could have these def offenses go off or you could have these defenses go off so it's either going to be a low scoring game similar to the 49ers cowboys or it could be a very high scoring game like some eagles games we saw but i don't see the high scoring game i see more like the middle ground we're, well we're all expecting it to be a defensive battle and it's probably going to be a 35 38 35 type of game but we'll talk about that later this week uh, what's up, Dave? Welcome back. We haven't seen you. We haven't uh, had you on in a while. Good, good to see, hear from you, Dave. And Daniel Barry, Sports Highlights. What's going on? Thanks for joining us. All right, let's talk about the big one: the Philadelphia Eagles, thirty-eight to seven victory over the new East Rutherford Giants. Um, the Eagles' offense, the Eagles' defense, held the Giants to two hundred twenty-seven yards of total offense. The Eagles ran for two hundred sixty-eight yards. They in all three games. I mean, and I. Let's say two games. I won't count the last one because the Giants didn't play starters. The Eagles were very vanilla. The Eagles dominated every facet of every game against the Giants. And the Giants wanted to toss the third. What did the Eagles do? Took the ball, went straight down the field, scored a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Hurts. We saw the the first half, or we saw before the injury to Hurts. We saw that offense from the Eagles. It was everything. It was play action. It was RPOs. It was. Hurts throwing the ball down the field to Devontae, getting the ball to A.J. Brown, him running it when needing to. The uh, Obviously, the offensive line. and J J Jason Kelsey just manhandling guys with one arm is ridiculous. Having Lane Johnson back is freaking huge. Look, I know a left, a right tackle shouldn't, dict or shouldn't be that important to a team, but damn it. Lane Johnson is important to this team. And he, yes. and he was hurting. He's at 80, 85%, maybe less than that. And he is still the best right tackle in football. He was dominant, didn't allow Kayvon Thibodeau or any of the Giants to sniff Jalen Hurts. And he was he was great. It was just an all-out great performance. And this is the performance that we wanted to see. We didn't think we were going to see like to this, to where every every facet was almost perfect. And we thought, and that's why I think, you know, when we gave our predictions last week, we, we both thought it was going to be closer than it was. A lot of people thought it was going to be closer, but we can see the talent. Gap and the Eagles just did, did impose their will against the Giants. Absolutely, and there was there was a part like let's just face it, me and you. There was a part of us that felt you know it could be this way, but we never want to predicted this that way because whenever we predicted that way, we get the very close you know heart attack inducing game. And Lane Johnson, you could tell he was hurting right from the get-go. They were showing him limping around right after plays. That man is hurt. He is not 80%. That man is 50% at best of who he really can be. And he is still shutting down guys like Kayvon Thibodeau. This could be like how they choose to use Nick Bosa. Bosa usually comes off the side where my lot would be. So we would assume that it's going to stay that way. Oh, no, last, against Dallas, he was on, he was on the right side of the offensive for Dallas. Um, his right his side. more dominant side would be the side where my lot is, is what, is what you would imagine. But they could try to test Lane Johnson and see like, you know, we saw you limping. We saw you in pain, but man, the guy, I agree. The guy is where, you know, that most of that offensive line is working through something. I know Kel it was Kelsey. Good that it was such a big blowout that they were able to get Hertz out, Johnson out, Kelsey out. Like they were able to take guys mm -hmm. out to let them go. And I know it was only for like a quarter, but like they weren't out there. And then obviously practicing, like they don't really practice that hard anymore. 
So like that'll be good too. But it is going to be a bigger test because the, the as we mentioned, the defense defense for for um, San Francisco is way better than that defense for the Giants. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of people are grinding through things right now. Like I was saying, you know, Landon Dickerson, he hasn't, he hasn't been as good. You can tell there's something up there. Kelsey at the, at the end of every season, Jason Kelsey lists this laundry list of injuries that we didn't even know he had that he was playing through. It happens every single season. My hasn't been as good as we've seen in prior years. I don't think there's anything up there. Um, and Sam Malu, I don't think there's anything up there either, but you know, there's a couple of those guys playing through things. AJ Brown's trying to play through something. Something. Jalen Hurts is playing through something. You know, a lot of these guys oh, are no, playing. No, they're pouring not. their heart into this for sure. But we kind of talked about it last week. It sucked that AJ Brown wasn't more a part of the offense, but you kind of can tell why now. There's some there was something bothering him throughout that game. But Devontae Smith picked it up. Dallas Goddard picked it up. And surprise. Kenneth Gainwell. Okay, Boston Scott had his six for 32 and one. You know, Boston Scott had his anytime touchdown. Yeah, I, I hit my parlay last week, so that's fine. I got my anytime Jalen Hurts and anytime Boston Scott with the Eagles win. That's all you needed. But then Kenneth Gainwell went 12 for 112 and one. And I think I posted the stat in game that the, the Fox crew had posted. He was the first since Brian Westbrook to go for over 100 yards in a playoff game as a Philadelphia Eagles running back. It was incredible. Ken And Kenneth Gainwell imposed his will. I mean, I get it. The offensive line opened up holes, but this is like a Gainwell we've never seen before, like hitting those holes like like a, it was like also it was also like third fourth quarter and the game was over and the Giants kind of just wanted to go home especially the long touchdown absolutely. the Giants absolutely. the Giants wanted to go home let's be real absolutely Dave, they wanted to go home Dave I'm gonna ignore the second part of your your comment by the way <laughs> but yeah let's like see. at the end of the day you definitely made the point like. Jalen Hurts went for 16 for 24, 154, and two touchdowns. He only took one sack. When he was asked to rush, he rushed. He was smart about it. He slid. He did not go for the extra that you would normally see. He went nine for 34 for one on the ground. He had a great game, and he didn't even go over 200 yards by himself. He just had a really good game. and They didn't need, that, to, they didn't need him to. They didn't need him, exactly. And hopefully next week, like, you're definitely going to need him to be a bit more because this is a really good defense that you're going up against. But hopefully at this point, you've gotten him to a point where he's at least at 85 90% of pre-injury self because you can tell, like – there was a lot of reports pregame, like there was some people saying, oh, he's still hurting quite a bit. And then you had Jay Glazer coming out and saying, he, that playbook's 100% open, he's good to go, they're well, going to let him play. You can have both. He can be hurt still, but the the, the playbook is going to be 100% and open. And we knew the playbook to had to be open. I And I said that because I mean, it some didn't people... didn't really need to be. I'm pretty sure well, they left no, or but... they, they, they left plays in, in, because the game was over by the what middle of the first quarter. By the end of the first quarter, the game was over. So there were plays that they probably didn't call. But Jalen Hurts, as, as Sirianni said in, in his press conference, said like Jalen said, "Look, we gotta win. So call whatever. I'll make it work." Um, so like, you, it can be both ways. The, the playbook could be 100% open, but he could also still be at like 80% not feeling all up to all, all himself. So while well, you know, I think that's where where it came into. And and I think getting another week, he will be closer. He'll he'll be taking another step closer. To that, to that hundred percent. Um, it's just now he's he's definitely gonna get hit. He's gonna feel some hits this week against this Niners defense. It ain't gonna be like the Giants where you can you imposed your will. And if it is, like I don't know who's gonna stop the Eagles team. If the Eagles are able to run for over two hundred yards against San Francisco, like more power to them. I don't see that happening. But 
they've been able to do it against almost everybody they wanted to this year. Like, but this is going to be the best. The, the San Francisco is going to be the best defense the Eagles have faced. I think the Eagles' offense is going to be the best offense San Francisco has faced. So I think like all that. I mean, it's going it, to. It's been heading to this since the middle of the year. These are the two easily the two best teams in the NFC, and they proved it this weekend. And we've been waiting for this battle, and now we're going to see a titanic matchup. Absolutely. It's going to be a huge game. And like you said, it's going to dictate a lot of like, you know, if the if the 49ers impose their will defensively and the Eagles offense can't do anything. Okay, you could see it going that way. If the Eagles are able to impose their will offensively, like you said, this our minds would be blown if the defense can hold strong and and we beat the 49ers really good then our minds are blown and obviously you look at cincinnati you look at kansas city you're like how can we beat one of them but if you're able to beat one of the best defense the best defense i think this will probably go down as a top 10 maybe even a top five defense in nfl history based on their performance this season you can you can see a way of beating Kansas City and Cincinnati because you can see a way of beating those defenses if you're able to beat this 49ers well, defense. I'm not, I'm not looking past San Francisco. Definitely not looking past that's it. That's for sure. But, you know, the one thing, and I mentioned it on Thursday last week, the one thing that I was worried about coming into the game was the preparation. It was the coaching staff, and especially Gannon, especially Steichen with them having, um, you know, job interviews and Gannon's probably going to get the Texans job. Steichen has a really good shot at the Panthers job. So, like, that was a big worry, but they deserve a lot of credit. Gannon deserves a lot of credit. Like, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but you know, he, he mixed it up. He allowed the he allowed the corners to to, to do their job. They, he didn't he didn't have to blitz a lot, and he was still able to get pressure. Son Reddick, man, might be the best free agent signing, at least in a decade for the Eagles. Has to be like he he was really maybe since Asante Samuel, who knows? Um, but. I think it was one of the best ones of the offseason altogether. Like, you look at a lot of the big, big, like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, the big, big moneymaker moves. They were trades. They were not signings. Like, Hassan Reddick was. Hassan Reddick is so under. When you look back at the totality of the season and you look back, like, I get it. And I think I pulled the stats the last seven or eight games. He's been unbelievable. like night and day from the beginning of the season. But if you take the totality of the season and the impact player that he's been in this defense, we talk about, you know, we were without Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a little bit. We talk about we were without some other guys for a little bit and the Avante Maddox and the impact that they had. If we were without Hassan Reddick, this defense would be a shell of it. I think he is the most important player on this defense. He definitely, at least for the last eight or nine weeks, for sure. What the front four, what the front four is able to do is having 75 sacks this year, including the the playoff game, like getting pressure with just them helps the back, the back end. And like, that's going to be key going into next year when you won't have Bradbury, you know, you you might have a young guy or somebody that's not as good as Bradbury on the other side of Slay. Um, But like, I think having, health and 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 he looks healthy but he brings the swag and i talk about it all the time chauncey gardner johnson just having him fully back and that that's key because he'll play safety he can play the slot he can play anywhere and when you're going up against a team like san francisco has all those weapons where debo can line up in the backfield and the slot on the outside mccaffrey um in the backfield and the slot on the outside iu backfields like they have so many players that can line up anywhere it's key that your 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 defensive backs they can line up anywhere as well like while we don't see it often where Slay and Bradbury move into the slot, that's where having a, a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson helps. And, you know, um, while it, it did, while Epps and Blankenship didn't get um, kind of 
challenged last week. They'll get challenged this week, even if it is just Brock Purdy. Like they're going to test these safeties if you're going to have um, Gardner Johnson in the slot. The linebackers are going to get tested. As, as good as TJ Edwards has been this year, he's going to get tested against George Kittle. You saw Fred Warner last week against Dallas running down the field with CD Lamb. Is you know so we could see um Fred you know Fred Warner do that with a, with a, a Smith or a Brown like there's going to both sides of the ball are going to impl- implement so many different things that like these offenses that they're going to be going up against it's going to be something they haven't seen this year and that's going to that's going to be that key when you have D'Amico Ryan's against Steichen when you have um Kyle Shanahan against um, Gannon like all those matchups are going to be really fun to watch the intric- intricacies of the game. Um, and and whatnot, and, and you know who's gonna stop? Who's gonna cover McCaffrey when he goes to the outside? Do we want it to be um, Garner Johnson? Do we want it to be Edwards? Like it's gonna be so much fun to watch all that uh, happen. Hundred percent, and I mean, like it was a really clean game this past week. We only had three missed tackles. Everything felt too good to be true, and you felt know when. Yeah, when you know, and I know Saquon Barkley, he was, wasn't able to do as much as he wanted because the rest of the offense couldn't function at all. So how are you supposed to get your run game going if the pass game can't get going? There was no threat to the mm-hmm. Eagles all around, so there was no way Saquon Barkley was going to get going. But you know with a Kyle Shanahan offense that they're going to be able to do things in the run game. They're going to be able to do things in the pass game. They're going to be able to open the entire playbook just like the Eagles offense is going to have to do. But it was, too cl- it was such an easy game. It was such a clear clean game and you know with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell running at you that it's not going to be three missed tackles it's not going to be a couple missed tackles it's probably going to be more missed tackles you got to make those tackles and you got to make it work and one of the big things that I said in the painted lines group chat last week I mean I had to eat it a couple times but it wasn't because of Epps or Blankenship making specific plays that I had to eat my comments Epps and Blankenship are fine as safeties, but they're one of the big things I said about Blankenship, his angles, his, they're not cover and their angles on tackles are asking to be misses. They're really, they're, they just shoot at you. They don't care how they get you. They don't wrap up. And There's no technique. They Debo, just shoot at you. And when you're going up against Debo and McCaffrey, they'll make you miss. They have that, they have that second burst. Like you, you think you have that angle. And then as soon as you get close, they'll hit it and go. So that, that's definitely going to be key this week. But and yeah, you like- know, and you know, just watch the film on Epson Blankenship. You see it, man. They just shoot at you. They don't try and wrap up. There's no technique to it. All you got to do, those guys are going to watch your film and they're going to say, I want that guy one-on-one. I'll make him miss. You know that that's the process that's going to happen. And this is no hate on Epson Blankenship. But it sucks that we don't have Avante Maddox because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson built provides that balance and that ability to play so many different roles. But the fact that we have to move him so, so close to the line of scrimmage and to do that job Speaking of um, Maddox, we haven't heard much, but he didn't have his walking book at, boot, boot on after the game on Sunday. So who knows? Maybe uh, they haven't really had practice the last two days. and uh, So when maybe we'll hear some, an update Wednesday. I'd be Thursday. shocked. I'd um, be if shocked. If they beat San Fran, he'll probably definitely play in the Super Bowl. But um, you know, it would be that would be a surprise if we if we can get him. Um, before we kind of continue, I did so tickets on went on sale for the game today. <laughs> it's the most expensive NFC Championship game ticket ever. It's ridiculous, and I can only imagine what the tickets would have looked like if it was Eagles Cowboys. Like if it was Eagles Cowboys, it would probably be 
double what the price is now. But like the cheapest ticket to get in is like six over six hundred dollars, and that's like standing room only tickets. Um, so if you're if you're able to get to the game, more power to you. I wish I could be there. Um, but yeah, it, it's gonna be the, the atmosphere at the link is George, and George Kittle said it. Um, he was he said that it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be violent, but it's gonna be fun. Uh, Brock Purdy said that like it's a passionate fan base. It's gonna be a lot. Jonathan Gannon even said it when he when he was here in 2018 with the Vikings for the NFC Championship game. Said it was the loudest he's ever heard a stadium, any stadium that he's ever coached at. And he and he mentioned it's gonna be a big advantage to the Eagles this week. Purdy has not been in an atmosphere like this. So I think that is going to be one of the keys when we talk about this game later this week. It's going to be how does Purdy, how does Shanahan help Purdy like kind of get acclimated to the game, get acclimated to the um, to the atmosphere that he's going to be stepping into on, on Sunday uh, at the link. Absolutely. I mean, every time I see like wildest crowds or loudest crowds, there's always like these lists that I see and the Eagles are like never in the top five. And I'm like, I don't know how you can ever not have us in the top five that we're the loudest, we're the craziest give it. And I mean, you gave us 12 hours that like, people are buying tickets. They bought tickets to the to Eagles game and the wings games just to get the opportunity to get to those, to get to, tailgate early hours earlier, because if for, for the Eagles, in order to tailgate for the Eagles, it was only 4 PM, which was never going to happen. Like, <laughs> okay, they can they can implement that. It's never going to happen. But because the Wings game was at one, you could start tailgating for the Wings at eight. So people were like, all right, and Wings tickets aren't that expensive. So let's buy tickets to the Wings. Let's go tailgate for the Eagles. So, like, you're not going to stop. And, and with the game being at 3 o'clock on Sunday, the, the parking lots will open up probably around 8, eight 9 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, I can't. Well, I wish I could be in Philadelphia. Would I pay six hundred American dollars? That's like a thousand bucks Canadian. No, but um, uh, to that same point, though, you're right. If like we this the Super is a Bowl, you might have to find your way down here for the parade. We could do yeah. a live broadcast from the Super Bowl. From the parade, from the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, we can dream, but we're not going to look ahead of this game. But Brock know, Purdy, like you said, definitely. Like even last week, you could see, and like it was mentioned in our group chat a lot. Like Brock Purdy looks nervous. Brock Purdy doesn't look as comfortable as he's looked in the past. These are pressure. high pressure moments for Mister Irrelevant. His name is Mister Irrelevant. This is the highest of pressure moments, and with each game, it gets higher and higher and higher. You can sit there and say he's a system quarterback. You can plug anyone into this system, and it works. Cool, but you can't plug anyone into this system. Put them into this atmosphere in this situation and expect it to come out the Speaking same way that, and that's the big thing with purdy for sim still isn't giving jalen hurts credit he's Mr. never you he's throw, never going to you can put everybody in that offense and they'll still succeed we already saw it for two games it didn't really succeed jalen hurts comes back does what he do and he says that if you swap Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones would have done the same thing. Stop. It, He's dude. and then and then the guy's gonna get upset that the the, the media is blowing yeah. his comment up. It's gonna come to the top of every social media feed next week if we win. We all know it. The guy does not know how to watch quarterbacks or realize or I mean, listen, I've made my comments. Remember he had Kellen they, Mond ahead of he had Kellen Mond ahead of um Jalen Hurts after the 20 or going into the 2021 season it was last year, right? Going mm -hmm. into that season, he had Kellen Mond. He didn't even have Hurts in the top 40. So, and, and at the end of the day, listen, 
I'm not pointing anything out specifically, but you talk about Brock Purdy's getting so much love. You talk about Daniel Jones getting so much love. You talk about these guys who are pl- that you plug them in. You talk about the situation that people are saying you can plug Minshew in. He's going to do anything. We had to bring Jalen Hurts back early because Minshew couldn't get the business done. At the end of the day, Jalen Hurts is not getting appropriate love, and he has taken massive steps forward. He has done such an incredible job, and like, He's evolved from the run game that we saw last week. Last year, you said it, LJ. At the end of the day, we weren't going to be able to win if all we could do was run. And he has just, this game has become such, so multidimensional with him. I'll never try and allude to anything, but it feels like the Jalen Hurts will never get the love that he so rightfully deserves. And it's crazy because you look at like the, the post that I had earlier on, on Twitter talking about he is now in line. And I, I, I threw some, some sass into it as if this wasn't the reality six, eight, ten weeks ago. He's in line to be talked about in discussions with Herbert and Burrow and who's going to get the first contract and what does that contract mean. And my biggest comment was, how he better not be behind Burrow or Herbert in getting this contract done. He needs to be the first one in line to get this contract done because it's going to get really expensive really quickly. I also think that Hurts might understand, and I, and I know we talked about it last week and we don't know if the NFLP will allow it, but Hurts might understand that, like, you make 40 mil a year. That's 40 mil a year. <laughs> like, you're still be making a lot of money. So, it's probably going to be like 45 ish million a year, but if you know you go in, like we want to try to keep the team together as much as possible, maybe not take as much, maybe take a little hometown discount instead of 45 million a year, take 40 million a year. Um, that five million can be used somewhere else to, because we have six or seven starters on the defense that um, are, are in the last year of their, of their deals, and we want to try to bring them back. And obviously, we talked about why the why Howie hasn't been hasn't signed a CJ Gardner Johnson or TJ Edwards because. You have to get that Hurts contract done. You need to know where you stand financially. So, like, we'll see. And obviously all that stuff will will take care of itself in the offseason, but we hope that the offseason doesn't start until after February 12th. Yeah, and I think one of the big things that's going to come out of all this is the guaranteed money because we know at the end of the day that's what dictates the salary cap. That's what dictates, you know, who who's going to stay. But if there, here's an option. We haven't seen it yet, but somebody is going to have this happen. He, his contract is really is dependent as a percentage of the salary cap. Obviously, the salary cap goes up every year. Um, so, what was the salary cap this year? A hundred or two hundred and say say it was two hundred million dollars. Five ish, I think. Let's to make the numbers easy. It was two hundred million dollars. What if he gets twenty percent of what the salary cap is? So this year he would have made forty million a year. But if the salary cap goes up to two hundred and twenty million next year, he would make forty four million. A year like that could be a potential. That was like, the thought process with Jay, uh, with Patrick Mahomes when he signed his deal. People were like, Are they is are they gonna give him a percentage? Or are they gonna do it that way? Because it feels like a way to do it, it's, it's and then you're still 20, percent you're still a fifth of the salary, like you're you're still a large chunk of your team's salary, but like. But then you got to figure out the guarantees, too, because one of the biggest things in the Lamar Jackson thing, and I know we're going to dive into a lot more of this in the offseason, Lamar Jackson. The the Deshaun Watson deal screwed negotiations with quarterbacks going forward because at the end of the day, they guaranteed entirely $240 million. So you know that there's going to be people who are, there's going to be quarterbacks who are going to say, it's not going to be 
I, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be like the Wentz deal where it was super team friendly. I don't think it's going to end up being that way. I, I think you're going to have to see a lot more guarantees given. But there's a way to, you know, you know how how he works those guarantees. There's a way to keep the contract at bay while still giving a lot of guarantees and while giving Jalen Hurts what he wants. But I think some of these quarterbacks at some point, unlike Aaron Rodgers, need to realize you need to be willing to take some sort of pay cut to help keep the window open because a lot of the opportunities for these teams come on rookie contracts with the quarterback because it is the cheapest time for the quarterback. Otherwise, then they start demanding these insane amounts of money. Well, and then we then we sit back. Well, unless you're the Chiefs. Then we sit back and look at like the Aaron Rodgers situation. And he's like 25% of the team's salary cap. And they can't do they can't figure anything out with the salary because they're so hands tied on it. So you hope that a guy like Jalen Hurts. I do like I trust Howie more than any. GM in this entire league to rig the contract to work for the team and to work for the player. All right. So we talked about the Giants enough. Um, we're obviously going to talk Eagles Niners later this week, but let's give our listeners kind of a little preview. What What is one thing or what is, what do you think is the biggest key of the game? If you have without even having dive dove into anything yet, what do you think the biggest key to an Eagles victory is going to be on Sunday? Offensive line, hundred percent. The offensive line, that defensive line is so good, um, and you can see when our offensive line imposes their will and they can dominate a game. And I get it. We're talking night and day between the Giants and the the Forty ers The Giants have a really good defensive line, probably top five in the league. The 49ers have a really good one that's probably top three in the league. Um, so at the end of the day, that it's going to be that. And the biggest factor there is Bosa. I get yeah. it, Kayvon Thibodeau. He's really good. I get it. He's an incredible guy. Is he a little overrated? I don't think he's overrated. He's a rookie. He's still got a lot to learn about the NFL. Bosa is an absolute – I think Bosa and Thibodeau are completely different people, and I think Bosa is we, we so much Dexter better. Lawrence and Leonard, we, we shut Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams down too in the middle. And they're, they're not – they're no no, exactly. That's why I say the Giants are probably top five, but the 49ers are probably top three because they're really good and there's a chance to impose that will, but I don't think it's necessarily as easily imposed as it was this past week. So it all starts with the offensive line, Lane Johnson being able to continue to play through everything. He must have some good drugs on board when he's playing, man. But at the end of the day, it's, I think I'm going to lean on the, the offensive line. What about you? Defensive line because – of, of the weapons that the um, Niners have with Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey, Kittle, Juszczyk, um, and they're off at Trent Williams. Like, he's going to be really good. That's going to be a nice battle with Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. Um, and being able to get pressure after Purdy. Purdy hasn't been in an environment like this. If you get pressure after him, we saw him get a little gun shy and, and not be at his best on Sunday against Dallas. So if you can do that for some turnovers, have a really good shot at winning the game uh, and going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And I think like we kind of talked about in our group chat, one of the biggest things is going to be treat Brock Purdy like you treated Cooper Rush earlier. Make him think, make him make decisions. And I think he's going to make mistakes. And I find it really – this – and some, I think somebody said it in our in our group chat. This is like um, 
Case Keenum coming to Philly. I just can't see Purdy winning. Obviously, it can happen, and it very well might happen, but I just find it very hard to believe that that can happen. I think if we lose and we think back to the game, and this might be crazy, I think this is probably over-the-top talk here, but I don't think we're going to sit here on the review episode and sit here and say Brock Purdy beat us. There's definitely going to, I hope not. I think there's going to be other aspects of the game that we sit back and say, I think this, this, this were the reason. And Purdy's a lot further down the list. Hopefully we'll see. But thank you everybody for tuning in to a playoff victory green hour. We'll be back later this week for a preview of the NFC championship game between your Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers in a game that should be very, very good. And if you're going to it, you are very lucky. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. We'll be back later this week with the preview of the NFC Championship game. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently runs.